can be seated. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you uh, for the morning. Uh, we want to thank you uh, for your word. And as we consider, uh, continue to uh, consider the book of Luke and uh, study it together, uh, I just pray uh, that we would find every uh, single thing that you want us to find uh, and see everything you want us to see. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I came across a story several years ago that what it really uh, kind of captured my attention, and it went that for his first Thanksgiving alone in 1985, uh, Scott McCauley was thinking that he'd have to eat frozen turkey uh, as a dinner and kind of sit alone in his apartment watching a football game in silence. His parents had recently divorced, and nobody was talking to nobody, he said. Uh, I was looking at a pretty rotten Thanksgiving, and he said, I absolutely hate eating alone. And then he had an idea. What if he took out an ad in the newspaper and invited 12 strangers to join him for Thanksgiving dinner? It seemed pretty manageable. His church could kind of host it. Uh, they had the space to do that. And it was a little bit crazy, but it would be way better than eating dinner alone. And since those 12 strangers uh, gathered together that, that Thanksgiving around uh, the table for uh, turkey and stuffing, uh, and God's gift to the earth, pumpkin pie. Uh, that was 33 years ago. Uh, he has made it an annual event in his apartment, or at his church, I should say. And through the years, he's had uh, fed widows and widowers, homeless people, college kids who can't make it home. Uh, one year, an elderly woman paid $200 for an ambulance to drive her to the church from her nursing home. Uh, she arrived with fancy clothes on, said she hadn't been out of the nursing home in seven years, and she cried when dinner was over. Infants have spent their first Thanksgiving uh, with Macaulay there at the church, and more than a few elderly people have sat down for their final Thanksgiving. And because Thanksgiving wouldn't be Thanksgiving without giving thanks, one of his traditions around the table each year is to have everyone jot down kind of what they're thankful for on a slip of paper, and then he saves all those submissions and just reads them throughout the year as a reminder of God's grace and a reminder of how good God has, has been, long after the dishes are washed and the food has been consumed, he's reminding himself of what he has to be thankful for. And he says sometimes they're grateful that they no longer have cancer or that they finally found a job or they have a place to live. One year, a guy wrote that he was thankful that his son was speaking to him, to him again. And he just consumes these thankful prayers all year long. And I know, I know it's not Thanksgiving, right? I, I, I do get that. I know it's a long time ago that the dishes were cleared and the food was consumed and the holiday was celebrated, but I want to take a page uh, with the story we're going to study today in Luke 19. I want to take a page from his book for a minute, and if you'll allow me, I just want to preach a Thanksgiving sermon today. I, 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 know, I know it's not Thanksgiving, it's, it's more like Easter, but this story just really resonates with me uh, as, as a reminder. So like I said, we're going to be in Luke 19, and, and here's the thing about this story. We talk a lot and we, and we focus a lot on the emotion or the feeling of Thanksgiving. Uh, and that's not nothing, right? There's a great value in checking our heart, making sure our hearts are good and thankful and, 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 and giving God praise and all of those things. But what makes Thanksgiving powerful is not just feeling it. What makes Thanksgiving powerful, what is the engine that actually gives it all its force, is expressing it. It's great to feel thankful, but Thanksgiving and praise is at its best when it's expressed. You see what I did there? Right? It's, it's, 
It's a good thing to do. It is a good thing to express our thanksgiving. And that's what our story is about today. All right, let me read it to you. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go then, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, so before they even get to the priests, as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, all right, so ten are healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Pretty simple story, right? You got these guys with leprosy, all 10 are healed, nine are healed and go about their business. One says, no, I need to return and I need to praise God. I need to express gratitude. I need to honor his name for what he has done. Now you have to know, and I know that you know this, leprosy, was a terrible disease. In in essence, it was a contagious disease where your skin would begin to die and eventually parts of your body would begin to fall off, uh, fingers, toes, toes, things like that. And because of the contagious nature of it, when you received a, a leprosy diagnosis, you were ostracized from your community. It's like you had to go out away from the community and live by yourself really for the rest of your days. And because healthcare was not Uh, is not then, was not then what it is now, a lot of times if you had a rash or you had a blister or you had something, a lot of times that would be misdiagnosed as leprosy. And you would be kind of thrown out of the community, ostracized, and uh, live out, live out away from your family, your friends, your job. You'd You'd lose everything with a diagnosis like that. So imagine having been separated from everything, from your family, your friends, your job, your spiritual community, your church, having been separated from everything, you come in contact with Jesus. You've not had contact with anyone in a real long time, so the fact that Jesus is even in the vicinity is amazing. All right? Jesus crosses those thresholds. People that we stay away from, Jesus runs to. That's a great thing about Jesus. So, so Jesus sees him, sees them, I should say, and he heals All 10 of them. Now, maybe considering all that, you have the same reaction that I do. I cannot believe for a minute that the other nine were not grateful. Their lives had been forever changed, right? They were ostracized from their community. They couldn't be near the people they loved. Their spiritual community was far away from them. I cannot believe for a minute that they were not grateful. Their lives had been changed. I believe they felt the emotion of gratitude. But only one expressed that emotion. Only one returned and gave honor and praise and thanksgiving to Jesus for what he had done. And and we learn in this story that it's not really enough to feel it. It's good to feel it. It's just not quite enough to feel thanksgiving and gratitude. We want to be a people that express it. Notice what he says. Notice what the text says. He returned to Jesus praising him, I love how it says it, in a loud voice. Right? I, I love that. He, he does it in a loud voice. He makes a bit of a ruckus when it comes to Jesus. 
And this is what is so powerful and part about our gathering together on Sunday morning. I love it when it gets a little loud in here, to be honest with you. I know some of you don't. I get the emails. I get it. All right? So I know some of you don't like the ruckus, and, and that's, that's okay. But there is a part of me that kind of likes it, that we gather together, and in a loud voice, we praise, and we give honor, and we give glory to God. There's something really beautiful about that. And I get an, an, on any given Sunday, you might not exactly like the songs that are selected, or you may not like the, the way the music is done, or the loudness of it. It's okay to not like a song. Do not withhold your praise. Do not withhold your praise. If a song gives honor and glory and praise to God, we proclaim that song in a loud voice. Why? He's worthy of it. He deserves it. We sang that song earlier. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. So it's like, I don't love that tune. Well, I need to get over my not liking the tune. And I need to proclaim the words with a loud voice. Because honor and glory and praise belong to him. So he praises in a loud voice. Expression of thanksgiving is a really an important, valuable discipline. It is a discipline. Right? Feelings come and go. So sometimes the emotion of things, you know, I'm just not feeling it. The emotion of it can, can, can kind of trick us a little bit. But make no mistake about it. Gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise are a discipline. And if you're like, well, I'd like to engage with this discipline a little bit. Let me point you where I, I shared this with you last Thanksgiving. Uh, but I, I'm, we're going to look at a different text. I want to point you to Psalms. The psalmist is great at expressing honor and glory and praise to God. Because this is where we want to start with this discipline. right? When it's directed at God, it's called praise. When we direct it to each other, it's called gratitude. right? So I'm grateful for my family. I don't praise my family. Right? I don't praise my family. Praise is for God. I'm grateful for my family. That, that's, we'll talk about that more in a minute. But when we're talking about praise, we want to give honor and glory and praise to God. And here's how the psalmist says it in Psalm 100, one of the classic kind of texts that we can study to kind of start to get the hang of this. Shout for, there it is again, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His, his faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Psalm 100. So if you're ever like, man, I am just not feeling it, I would say go to Psalm 100 and steal his praise a little bit, right? I know that doesn't sound like a very spiritual thing to do, but it is. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I'm going to steal your praise for a minute and read that psalm and give honor and glory and praise to, to his name. So I want to ask you, what are some things this morning that you are thankful to God for? What are some things this morning that you're thankful to God for? Maybe you've experienced physical healing in some, of some kind, and it's miraculous, and it's awesome. Maybe you've experienced victory in some area of your life where it has been defeat upon defeat upon defeat, and finally the, 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 the thing opens up, and now you have experienced victory. 
Maybe you've experienced God's provision. You know, I didn't know how I was going to pay that bill. I didn't know how I was going to handle that expense. And God provided. And maybe you can look and see and be grateful for something that would even fit into the category of difficult. That's a next level praise, right? If you want to kind of start on a kind of lower rungs, it's like, I'm going to give honor. God, God, thank you for the job. God, thank you for the family. God, thank you for this. God, thank you for the healing. And, and you kind of start there. If you want to graduate to the next level, it's God, I'm going to give you honor and glory and praise, even in the difficult seasons. Here's how Henry Nguyen said it. To be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy. But to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the, succession, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard spiritual work. Someone say amen. amen. This is varsity level. Still, we are only truly grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to the present moment. Hmm. As well as keeping dividing, as long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would like to remember and those that we would like to forget. Am I preaching here, right? We cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift of God to be grateful for. Let's not be afraid to look at everything that has brought us to where we are now and trust that we will soon see it in the guiding hand of a loving God. Whoa. Whoa. To look at every moment that has made you you. Every moment that has brought you to the place that you are. Every success, every failure, every victory, every defeat. And say, God, I am grateful for your provision. I am grateful for your grace. I am grateful for the way that you have moved. Maybe you are here this morning and God hasn't exactly delivered you from the difficulty, but he has delivered you from the discouragement. And that's not nothing. That you would say he has sustained me. He has helped me. He has empowered me. And the challenge that you are facing every single day, it is not fun to think about, but God's grace has been real to you. That is a reason to praise him. That is a reason to be thankful. I haven't been delivered from the difficulty, but I have been delivered from the discouragement. And I think that a, a, a discipline of thanksgiving, it does several things. One of the things that it does is it lifts our eyes up. Grumbling and complaining, they tend to keep our eyes down. And eyes down is a very dangerous thing. Uh, just a couple months ago, I was taking my son Sam uh, to an appointment downtown. And we were sitting at a light, and this guy was reading something on his phone. I, I don't know what he was reading, but he's reading something on his phone, and he's just kind of walking like this. And all of a sudden, there's screeching tires, honking horns, all of this stuff going on, and he kind of looks up. He's in the middle of Highway 51. Nearly dead, right? Nearly dead. And it's like, dude, lift your eyes up. This is what gratitude and praise to God does. Grumbling tends to keep our eyes down where we like to kick stones. Right? This is bad. This is bad. The culture, the family, the, what, what, all of this isn't working. And our eyes are down. But when we lift our eyes up, one of the things that, we ha what, that happens is we begin to see the world in a different way from a new perspective. 
You have a hard time seeing things when your eyes are down the right way. You have a hard time seeing the future when your eyes are down. You have a hard time seeing what is good when your eyes are down. But when you lift your eyes up, you begin, it changes your perspective in a very powerful way. So praise. I, I love, when we praise, have you ever noticed as you're praising God that your eyes just kind of go up? There's something about lift those eyes up to the heavens. Change your perspective. See the world in a new and fresh way. Thanksgiving toward God, so it, it gives us a new perspective. It reminds us of his presence and power in our lives. Sometimes when we're going through a difficult season, it would be really easy to complain, right? And it's easy to think we are alone and that we are powerless when we're going through a challenging season. But there is something about lifting your eyes up to the heavens that reminds us that neither of those things are true. You are not alone and you are not powerless. God is with you present, empowering you. We're going to celebrate Easter in a couple weeks. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in you. Praise God. And so lifting our eyes up in praise reminds us of that. Thanksgiving uh, demands that we see how he has worked, right? When we're in a season of grumbling, it's like nothing's working. Have you ever gotten in in a negative space like that? Not a single thing is working. The job's not working. The relationship's not, nothing's working. You ever gotten in a season like that? Thanksgiving forces us to see how God has worked. It's a good discipline to engage in that. Man, God, I am thankful that you did this, this, and this. And it demands of our heart and our soul that we see the ways that he has worked. And thanksgiving toward God results in our spiritual joy. Now, this can be a chicken or an egg sort of argument, but joyful people tend to be filled with thanksgiving. And that's great news because thanksgiving and praise, it is not a personality trait. It's not, some some people are like, well, I'm just not a thankful person. Eh, Nope. It is not a personality trait. It is a discipline that you can get better at and better at and better at by forcing your heart and your soul to say, how can I give honor and glory and praise to God? Where is he working? Where is he good? How is he sustaining me? And it forces us to focus on what he has done. So when we're talking about God, we're talking about praise, giving him honor and glory and praise. When we're talking about this attribute in our relationships, we're talking about being grateful. So is there someone... and, and Gratitude is at its best when it is expressed. Right? I, mean, I want, Get that eye t-shirt or whatever. Right? I, I don't know where I got that, but it works. Right? <laughs> it's best when it's expressed. And so who do you need to express thanksgiving to? A wife? A husband? A child? A coworker, A friend? Now we can look at the Psalms to see how to express it toward God. You know who we can look at for how to be like the one that returned to Jesus? We want to be, you know, if we're talking about a fork in the road of what type of person are you going to be, we want to be the one that returns to Jesus and says thank you. When we're talking about this in our other relationships, a great example of this is not necessarily in the Psalms, it's the Apostle Paul. There are 13 letters from Paul in the New Testament. In nine of them, he explicitly gives thanks to the recipients of the letter. All right, in nine out of the 13. 
Now, a couple of them are written to individuals, 1 Timothy, Titus, things like that, or a whole region of people. So it's hard to express Thanksgiving in there. And then the two kind of exceptions to it are 2 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, he does it. In 2 Corinthians, where he jumps right into comfort. And then in Galatians, where he's ticked. So in almost every letter, he's like, man, I want to thank the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ for you Colossians. For you, Galatians, or for, for you, Corinthians, for you uh, in Ephesus, for you, Ephesians. I want to thank God for all of you. And he's like, Galatians, he's like, no, you brood of vipers, sort of thing, right? Um, I, that letter, he is chastising them. He's angry at them because they're forsaking the gospel. And so, even in a letter like 1 Corinthians, where he's like, man, I've got issues with you, there's sexual immorality. Uh, and uh, rich poor issues, pride issues, Lord's Supper issues. He even starts 1 Corinthians with, I am thankful for you, though. I'm pretty irritated, but I'm thankful. Uh, and and he, so he, he does this again and again and again. So I want to show you like three examples, if I can, real quick, of Paul doing this, because I think we can learn from Paul about expressing gratitude toward other people. So he's thankful, first of all, for their faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see this in Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and Philemon. Here's an example. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard is the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing through and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood it. You learned it from Epaphras, our fellow, our dear fellow servant, who is the faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Whose faith are you grateful for today? Who's your Epaphras? Talk about a cool t-shirt. You can, you, can, you can actually put that in the card to the person you're going to, you're my epiphras, right? Who is your, whose faith are you grateful for today? You most likely received your faith from someone. Now, as Americans, we like to believe we did it on our own, by ourselves. Uh, that is just simply not true. Hardly ever. Uh, we have a tendency to believe that. that. That's just not true. So who helped develop your faith? From whom did you hear it and understand it? Parents? A small group leader? A Sunday school teacher? An elder? Gratitude is at its best when it's expressed. So whoever it is, if, if they're still living especially, whoever, well, only if they're still living, I should say, but who can you express gratitude to? Man, I admire your faith. Thank you for investing in me. Thank you for helping me. Thank, for, thank you for pointing me in the right direction when it came to Jesus. So he's thankful for their faith. He's thankful for uh, their love for all the saints. Ephesians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, and Philemon. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all the holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. 
Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So whose love are you grateful for today? Last Sunday, we had to make a stop at Walgreens, and we were pulling into Walgreens, and Sam was like, I just picking up a few medications, and Sam's like, oh, I love Walgreens. Can I go in with you and look around? I love Walgreens. And without missing a beat, Lila in the back says, if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? <laughs> and we started giggling. We started laughing, and we're like, where on earth did you get, she was like, where on earth did you get that? And from the back, she's like, Daddy. Oh. Right. I said, I am kind of hilarious, aren't I, honey? Yeah. But, yeah. That was a very, very good joke for a five-year-old, you know. Um, and, and we tend to misuse the word love quite a bit. We tend to be kind of flippant about it, right? We overuse it. That you can love your family, and you can love a windy stubble, Right? You can love a minivan, and you can love the church service. You know, you, you can love your friend, and you can also love a piece of pizza that you're eating. We, we tend to overdo it in that way. But in English, you're meant to kind of derive from the context that you don't love your family the same way you love that Wendy Stubble, right? You're kind of meant to, hopefully, right? Yeah. It's like, you don't know how I feel about Wendy Stubble, Steve, right? Now, it's, you're meant to kind of read into that. And so, you know, we had to parse it in English a little bit. But really what Paul's trying to get us to see is, whose love are you grateful for? Maybe it's a love that you've personally benefited from. Your parents, spouse, friend. Maybe it's a love that you've just observed uh, directed towards, toward others and you're grateful for it. Gratitude is at its best when it's expressed, Right? We always thank God for all of you. All right, so he's thankful for people's steadfastness. This is First and Second Thessalonians. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope by our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great difficulties of being in the ministry is that you have a front row seat to the suffering of other people. You tend to hear all the stories. You tend to see every moment. That's one of the great hardships of being in the ministry. One of the great joys of being in the ministry is that you get to see people be faithful. You get to see them stay strong. You get to see them persevere. You get to see them overcome. And I get a front row seat to that. I bet you've had a front row seat to someone too. They'd say, man, they suffered so well. They endured so well. They persevered so well. Gratitude is at its best when it's expressed. And so if you've observed that in someone, say something. Share that. One more. He was thankful for their spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and all kinds of knowledge. God thus is confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son. Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. Paul is expressing gratitude for their service, for the exercising of their spiritual gifts. And, it is, and it's another one of those joys that I get to have in ministry uh, of just getting, getting, getting to see people exercise their gift and serve. And so whose service are you thankful for? Maybe it's someone who's helped you at your home or with a car or with some advice for, with your kids or your grandkids. Maybe it's someone that you've observed around here that just greeted you at the door or you know they prepared communion or you know that they work around here a lot and you've just seen them kind of exercise their spiritual gift. You see them on stage. I want to take a minute and just express thanks for our church family here. It's one of the great joys of seeing people sing and teach and serve our kids and prepare communion and work around here that we have a church that exercises their spiritual gifts in Christ and serves the body. So not one person would ever have to do everything because we're all gifted in different ways and we're all exercising our spiritual gifts and it's so inspirational. But there's actually another even level of service that I see around here a lot where it's not necessarily a person's giftedness, but someone just kind of observes that something needs to be done and they do it. So there are these people around here that like they see a piece of trash on the floor and they pick it up. Or they see something that needs to be straightened and they straightened it or cleaned or painted. And it's not necessarily like their spiritual gift. They're just servants. And they just do it. And so Paul was grateful for that and so am I. And I think to go back to where we were a few minutes ago, I think one of the mistaken assumptions that we make when it comes to gratitude is, well, they know. They know how I feel. They know that I'm grateful. They know, my grandfather always used to have this thing, maybe you're, this feels like a grandfatherly thing to say uh, back in the day, but you know, my grandmother would say, tell, tell me that you love me. He's like, I told you I loved you when we got married, right? I'll let you know if it changes, right? That, 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 sort, of, that, that sort of a thing. And that, that's, the, that, that's the mindset of, oh, they know. They know I love them. They know I'm grateful for them. They, they, they know what a difference they've made in, in my, what a difference they've made in my life. And they might, they might know, they might not. So Thanksgiving is at its best when it's expressed. So it's interesting because when you go back to the praise conversation we were having earlier, you know who I know knows how we feel about him? God. Right? God knows our hearts. God knows the way that we feel about him. He knows everything, yet he still calls us to praise. Isn't that interesting? He calls us to express thanksgiving. Jesus knew the, the condition of those other nine guys' hearts. He, he knew that the one the guy that came back, he knew he was grateful before he got there. Right? You sometimes see that in the life of Jesus, where it's like Jesus is at a meal or whatever, and it's like Jesus knew their thoughts. So you got to be careful with those thoughts around Jesus. right? He's like, I know what you're thinking. I hope not, right? Um, and, and so that happens all the time in the Gospels. Like, hey, I, I caught you in your thought there, um, and I want to address your thinking. So he knows, but he still seems to indicate that expressing praise, expressing gratitude, is an expression of faith. And I think it's an underappreciated and under-talked about faith virtue. We tend to talk a lot about other faith virtues, like hope and joy and love, but gratitude and praise is another one of these faith virtues. And when it comes to all the other faith virtues, we talk all the time about how they will change the world. We're like, you know what? This world needs more of 
love, faith virtue. You know what this world needs more of? Hope, faith virtue. You know what this world needs more of? Peace. It's a faith virtue. And so we tend to talk about the life-changing world impact of some of these faith virtues. What you never hear about is gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise. I wonder how our world would change if just followers of Jesus became a people of thanksgiving, praise, and gratitude. If we became the one, nine don't feel like they have to express it. Nine are like, this virtue is at its best when it's expressed. So when I am grateful for someone, I'm going to text them, email them, call them, and let them know. When I come into church, it doesn't matter if I love the song or the pace of the music or whatever. I am going to give God honor and glory and praise. I am going to be a person that lives out this virtue of thanksgiving and praise and honor and gratitude. How would our world change if just followers of Jesus did that? How would your marriage change if you became a person of gratitude in your marriage? A person that knew that that was at its best when it was expressed. And so instead of kind of pointing out all the flaws of your spouse, you started pointing out all the ways that you were grateful. How how would your marriage change? How would your family change? If your family became a family of gratitude and honor and praise, and and you just began to express that this virtue is at its best when it's expressed, and so we're going to do that. How would our culture change? We've got a presidential election coming up. Lord, help us all, right? How, how, How will things change? If just followers of Jesus, one out of 10, if just one out of 10 said, no, 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 I am going to express gratitude. I'm going to express praise. I'm gonna, I am telling you, like, like we talk all the time about how love will change the world and how peace will change the world and how hope will change the world, I'm telling you this will change the world. I believe gratitude and honor and glory and praise. I believe it is that powerful that if just one out of ten, if just one out of ten would say this is at its best, when I, it's, I'm going to begin to express it to my Savior in the form of praise, and to the people in my life in the form of gratitude. I'm going to begin to express gratitude because it's what God has called me to. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his work on the cross. We thank you that, um, that this is not like a personality virtue that some people have and some people don't. Um, but that this is a discipline that we can develop. And I pray right now as we get ready to spend a few moments and just kind of focus on on your son's cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, that right now would be that moment that we would lay every other thing down in our lives and we would give praise right now to you and to your name. And that coming out of that because it starts with praise. Coming out of praise, we would say, man, now, who in my life do I need to express gratitude toward? It's a faith virtue. It's a grace virtue. And so coming out of the cross as we renew our faith in you, may this very quickly, like love flows out of this, and joy, and hope, and peace. 
that like all those things flow out of it, that this too would flow out of it and say, man, I am going to express gratitude more frequently than I am today. It's the name of Jesus we pray, amen. We're gonna receive the Lord's Supper together right now and it is an opportunity to just express praise to God for what he did through his son, Jesus. And whatever you can, kind of came in here carrying, I just, let's just put it down for a few minutes and let's just express praise to him for his loving kindness and his grace made perfect on the cross for our salvation in this life and the next. And so they're going to pass out the emblems here in just a minute and you can just hold, hold on to those and just express praise uh, to God uh, as, as you think about what he did through his son Jesus and uh, express that to him. Uh, and then uh, I'll come up in a few minutes after we've all kind of are holding on to those and we'll receive it all together as a church family. We like to do that as a reminder that he gave us the cross, he gave us the resurrection, and he's given us the church. And the church is a beautiful gift. And so I'll come back up here and we'll receive a communion as a church family. His body given for you, his blood poured out. Jesus, we are grateful. We praise your name. We thank you for the work that you did on the cross and uh, days later in, in the resurrection that you have forgiven our sins and you have empowered us through your Holy Spirit to live different lives. And I pray that as we get ready to leave this place, that very close to our hearts and our minds would be, who do I need to express gratitude toward? Who, do I, who have I felt it for a while, but just their service, their love, their contribution into our lives, what I've, their endurance. Who do I need to just say, man, thank you for your example. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your investment. And I believe as we practice this discipline that our marriages, our families, our church, our community, our culture, even our country, would be transformed. If just one of us out of 10 would do it, but hopefully even more than that would do it, but if just one of us would, what a huge difference it would make. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, Sunday, uh, April 9th uh, is Easter Sunday. All right. Uh, so now we know that. All right. Uh, it's also the start of a new series that we are going to be doing here uh, called Jesus Christ Superstore. Uh, and the idea of the series is that a lot of times we kind of go shopping for Jesus. And we're like, oh, I'd love me a little savior. I think I'm going to pass the Lord aisle. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that aisle, right? You know, we'll take a little bit of grace, but truth, we'll skip that just for today. You know, that, that sort of thing. But that Jesus is all of the above. And so this is a series that I think is going to be really helpful in uh, drilling down and, and talking about who Jesus really is and how he's not one or the other of these things, kind of like this Luke series we've been in. He's bigger than that. He's both and uh, all of these attributes that we're going to be studying. He's Lord and Savior. He came in grace and truth, all of those things. And so um, we're going to be studying kind of the, the who Jesus is. And we've got some of these invitation cards. I introduced this last week at our welcome table. And it just kind of says on the card, you're invited to a new series at my church that's starting Easter, Sunday, April 9th, that will explore who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. Very simple invitation. But we'd love to have you invite some people to come along with you for the start of this series on Easter Sunday. Hey, really glad you're here. We go ahead and stand up. Let's close with one last song in a loud voice. All right, let's do it.
Oh, 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 oh,